Welcome to Restart Radio. I'm Dave Pickering and I make podcasts. I spend most of my life online, but I've got no idea how to fix any of the devices that help me to spend my time there. But I've been invited to a party. It's called a Restart Party, and this party might just help me to understand the technology that I use every day and all the time. A Restart Party is a pop-up community repair event where skilled volunteers help people diagnose and repair their broken electronics. They are organised by the Restart Project, who are a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. So let's go now to a Restart Party. So what's your name? My name is Inga. And why are you here tonight at this restart party? My coffee machine was broken when I moved into my new flat, so it was working fine before, and somehow in transport or while cleaning it, it broke. I first looked for a place where I could get it repaired, but there wasn't anywhere in, well, it seemed like in all of South London. So I talked to a friend about it, and he said, oh, in Paris we have these workshops where you can just come and there are people who, like, know how to fix things and they'll help you and I was like oh if that exists in Paris it must exist in London as well and it's been fixed right yes what was that like that experience of fixing it good I mean I used to like when I was younger I used to do like lots of crafts with my dad and like lots of woodwork and I do a lot of DIY and I sew so I was like I was always up for like trying to fix something myself I just in living in London I don't have the tools myself because I well, constantly move around and try to have as little stuff as possible. So Great experience, because I really didn't want to throw it away. It's been working fabulously for eight years, and I was thinking, well, if I buy a new one, it maybe won't be as good. It won't last as long necessarily. Just assume that maybe nothing much was wrong with it, and it turned out nothing much was wrong with it. Yeah, it's one of my favorite fixing tests I've seen, because obviously when, when you mended the machine to test it, you had to make an espresso to see if it worked. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and you can see I was confident that we would fix it because I did bring coffee along to make an espresso at the end of the day. Yeah, that was uh, foresighted. That yes. was really good. <laughs> Today's episode asks questions about how we approach owning or not owning our gadgets and devices. I speak to some people who came to a restart party at the Remakery in Brixton about how they feel about the future of their gadgets. I speak to some restarters at a restart party at the Salvation Army Centre in Havering about how gadgets were paid for in the past. And I talk to some experts from Rap, Love Phone and Fairphone about how things are now. But first, I had a question for Ugo from the Restart Project. So I'm standing outside Resonance 104.4 FM where Restart goes out weekly these days. And I wanted to ask you, Ugo, so I'm putting together an episode about strategies people can have in terms of how they fund their electronics and stuff like that. And one of the things I've been asking everybody is what do they think about leasing? So why am I asking everybody that question? The issue with leasing is on the one hand, it sounds like a very promising future. But on the other hand, it begs questions around what is the projective lifespan of the devices. If leasing was about having access to a device and being able to have it serviced to increase its overall lifespan over time, so that, for example, you get the frame badly dented or one port that no longer works, you send it back in and it's given back to you and you continue just paying a subscription to the service 
I think it's great. If leasing is about trying to promote an even faster upgrade culture, then we have a problem. I've got a few questions for the next couple of episodes that I'm making that will be a bit less to do with your coffee machine, but the first few questions are about financing gadgets in the future. How can we make buying high-quality gadgets possible in the future? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think it requires a shift of mentality because obviously people used to spend quite a a fair bit of money on their gadgets and have them repaired and the same goes for other things like clothes like people used to buy one good coat and have it for 10 years and then mend it if they needed to whereas yeah I think the whole culture of buy it and throw it away two months later is just not sustainable for any area of life really. How do you feel about the idea of leasing rather than owning products? I think it's a great idea especially in a big city where people have limited space, limited resources particularly limited storage space and moving is such a hassle so I think leasing tools leasing space to do stuff is is a great idea. Would you pay for gadgets as subscriptions or services rather than as kind of objects to own? I think I would maybe not for everything I feel like there are some things where I would consider owning it because I would use it so much that it would be worth owning it but there are definitely things I wouldn't necessarily want to own but if there was somewhere where I could borrow one for a couple of hours and pay whatever the the hourly fee was that would be excellent because then I wouldn't have to own it I wouldn't necessarily be the one who has to take care of the maintenance of the item and I wouldn't have to have it in my house which would be great my name is Gerard Fisher and I'm a special advisor at a charity called RAP. RAP is a charity that helps organisations to improve their resource efficiency and their sustainability. We work in, in areas such as food and food waste, clothing and electrical and electronic products. And our vision is a world where resources are used sustainably. Within that, my role is, is to help particularly electrical and electronics companies to improve their sustainability. And we do that through what we call an action plan that we've drawn companies together to. And that includes brands that manufacture, retailers, recyclers, and then organisations that, that repair and reuse products as well. One of the activities that we do at RAP is to help businesses develop what we call more circular models. And we actually have a project where we've we've secured European funding to help companies do that. We want companies to move towards, preferably towards what's called a service offer. So ideally, you're not into product ownership, you're actually into using the function of the device and, and buying that function rather than to own the device as such. But that's, you know, it's quite a long quite a long way for some companies to go so we help them step towards it in a, an easy to to take route if you like yeah so what's your name gone and uh, why are you here today at this restart party because i wanted to repair the screen of my fairphone and i wanted to change the ram memory of my macbook pro the fairphone that you had today was the fairphone one right the fairphone one U, they call it. It's the upgrade they released a year after the first Fairphone. So you had a broken screen. I dropped the phone on the street a couple of months ago, and then I decided I wanted to buy a new screen and repair it. I read on the Fairphone support forum that I could actually do it myself. There was this iFixit uh, tutorial. And then on the same Fairphone forum, I found about the restart parties. And I decided to give it a go and to come here and see if someone could help me, basically because I didn't have the tools at home. And I'm also a bit clumsy, so I'd rather have some help and someone looking after the repair. And it, did, it, it went perfectly well. It's working again and no problem at all. 
Hi, my name is Bibi Blekemola. I work for Fairphone, responsible for impact and innovation. Now, Fairphone is a way to open up the complexity of supply chain issues. You can think of sourcing, but also of design of products, end-of-life management of products. So we really became a social enterprise making a phone to really uncover complexities uh, to address those issues and step-by-step step, uh, come up with alternatives and innovations. What does it give me that, that a phone that I would normally buy doesn't give me? We focus on different areas, mining, design, manufacturing, end-of-life. So I can imagine you with your background, you're quite tech savvy <laughs> uh, so you will be definitely interested in the repairability of the of the device of Fairphone 2 which it has a modular architecture thereby we really try to stimulate people to hold on to their phone as long as they can but people that have a more social interest or interest in working conditions for example is that we develop a different kind of projects both in Congo uh, where the minerals are extracted and in China where the uh, phone is uh, produced to also really stimulate discussion about a more uh, fair working conditions. Electronics tend to go obsolete in one year, two years because they are not made to last. So I wanted a phone that would last for five years maybe, maybe 10 is pushing it but they, they said actually one of one of phone's policies is they're going to release software until the hardware can actually support it physically. So that's a guarantee that as, as long as you want to keep on repairing it, you can, you can have it. So it's, it's the ethics behind the whole idea of producing a phone with fair trade components, uh, trying to make sure that people in these countries with the, with the different metals and different substances are, are extracted from, are paid fairly, they don't come from conflict zones as much as possible so probably it isn't perfect but they they're also very transparent on what they do and what they can do yet and they're ambitious so it's a, it's a project that I wanted to support as an idea of how things can be done differently and all of the reasons plus I needed a new phone uh, made me to go and decide for buying a phone. Yeah, it sounds a bit theoretical, maybe a bit abstract, but in a way there's so much alienation between people and the electronic products that they use. You have no idea where it actually comes from, where it's made of, and where it ends up after you've done using it. So we really try to bring those products and the way they have been manufacturing much closer uh, to the consumer. So you also become uh, much more understanding and much more willing to actually invest in a more uh, yeah, closer relationship with, uh, with the products. And do you think Fairphone is a model that could be expanded to other kinds of gadgets that aren't phones? Yeah, it might be possible because at the end of the day, most of our gadgets nowadays have the same kind of components. Everything is pretty much a little computer. So if they have been able to do it with a phone, you can probably do it with a computer, you can probably do it with a TV, you can probably do it with a tablet, you can probably do it with a lot of other things. So yeah, I think it's pretty easy, expandable to other gadgets. When you go under the surface of some of these business models, it's actually very hard to break out what, what encourages people to demand new products and what might encourage them to continue using their existing product for longer. And it really is closely linked to, to the value of the product. So many of the lease deals that you see available at the moment, they try to recover the value of the product within the life of the lease. So if you're going to lease a phone for, for a year and it's a £700 phone, you've got to pay that £700 back within the year. 
and, and that makes it very expensive to run. If companies are able to then say, well, actually, at the end of the year, I know it's still going to be worth £300, then they can start to use that value to make the lease cheaper. And then the customer can begin to see how using that asset for longer is actually much more cost effective for them. So it's this balance between, you know, you're always going to have customers who want the newest, latest, exciting thing. But actually, you do have a, a really large market where if there's a more cost effective offer, they will take that up. You know, my, my own example is I I never buy the latest technology. I always wait until the new model comes out and then go and buy a successor product on, on eBay or something like that because the value comes down quite nicely and you can get, you know, very well-functioning phone for, for much, much less money. My name's Alvin. I've been in the electronic industry since I was 15 years old. I worked for a major retail company, uh, ended up senior engineer for a national company. Just retired, been retired 10 years, and I just can't leave things alone. I've just got to fix, got to mend things, can't throw things away. When I was younger, as I said earlier, we couldn't afford anything. And when you bought anything, it was made to last. And if it went wrong, you fixed it and repaired it. You know, everything was made to be used and used and used. Today, it's just a throwaway society. It goes wrong, dump it. And, and it's just a just total, total waste. Uh, rent was a big thing. People used to rent TVs and that. But I think it was a, a financial thing because if the television they had went wrong, it was such a financial burden on them to get it repaired. I mean, they were on very, very meagre incomes. And if the telly had gone wrong in those days, it was you know, astronomical price compared with their wage. So they went on to rental so they wouldn't have the fear of repairs. And the other thing, of course, is the quality of the products. In those days, I would think, you know, in the 70s and 80s, the television was life was about five years. After five years, it really had, had it. But modern sets today, you buy them 10, 15 years, and they're still ticking along. The demise of all the rental companies, all the DERs and Granada, they're all gone. There's no more out there now. I mean, at one time in the 80s, they were spreading up every empty shop, ended up a rental shop. And they was renting TVs, they even rented washing machines and all sorts of things. Okay, hi, my name's Rob Kerr. I'm the co-founder of Love Phone, and we're a mobile phone and uh, smart device repair company. How do you as a repairer feel about the, the concept of leasing? For me, I hate the fact that I have to buy a washing machine. I buy the metal, the plastic, the concrete, and everything that goes with it. 83% of the material goes in production, and you know, 1% is recovered in recycling, and energy, basically. So I would love to pay $0.07 cents a wash instead of buying a, a washing machine for 350 quid. But that would actually work out cheaper in the long run. So why shouldn't we lease a washing machine, lease a mobile phone, etc.? People are always going to want the latest and greatest, necessarily. Well, for mobile phones, you have this issue of you know, software involved so fast. But for washing machines, it's a perfect example. You probably buy a washing machine once every 10 years, maybe once every 15 years. So why on earth would you not go with a leasing model there and then manufacturers be incentivized to make it more repairable? When it breaks down, if the part isn't can't be repaired, it can be remanufactured. And when it comes fully end of life, then you just, they, they will actually take it away, give you the, a new one, and then, and then properly recycle it. For you have everything from, all, from the design process to make it repairable, remanufacturable, and very recyclable. But at the moment, they're not thinking that way. They're thinking, sell more washing machines, sell more washing machines. And they really don't care you know, what happens at the, at, the, at the end of its life cycle. That should apply to mobile phones. It should apply to everything, I think. 
My name's Frank, I'm a restarter, and I'm here to try and assist people who have items that are not working and see if we can get them functioning again. The, the problem is that when you call it leasing, we used to call it rental, and I think you've already spoken to one of my colleagues who's talked about the television rental business. Nowadays, people have enough money to go out and buy the product. Leasing and rental was a good idea when people were, most of their life was paying rent, and then buying a washing machine on what they call tick, which means they paid weekly for it, which is the only way they could afford it. What we're finding with companies that work on buying products back and, and selling those onto the market is actually the margin structure is totally different. There's, there's far higher margin is possible on used products than it is on new products. So actually, if these companies can start to look at how they're going to sell these used products on, they might be more inclined to offer those to the market. And we're already seeing one or two retailers in the UK now selling reconditioned products on their shelves because they realise that there are different levels in the market. Obviously, you've got people who want the new, fast, whizzy product. But then often what happens in households is that product might get handed down to other family members or sold on to friends or, or, or sales sites. And actually, there's a really strong secondary market. So there really is an opportunity for them to, to work in that market. But at the moment, the, the messaging they have is all focused around faster processes and, and better cameras, that kind of thing. I mean, with some of this technology now, there's, there's more limited benefit to, to buying a new product than there is to, to keeping with your old one. I mean, you find a lot of one, two-year-old products now are still perfectly capable of a lot of uh, functionality that the new phones are, are delivering. They've got new features like higher resolution cameras and, and gesture recognition, that kind of thing, but the benefit of those, I think, is less clear to customers. I think it all boils down to reliability. If you buy domestic appliance now, you've got a good chance of it lasting 10, 15 years. Whereas in the 80s and that, you was lucky to get five years out of it. Now you can, you can get a multicoloured television with full internet and everything else for the price that you would have paid for a black and white television in them days. You know? Considering a black and white television was probably three times a man's wages, because you can go and buy a colour television now as big as you like for £199 down at Tesco. So I think people today, with the price of, of, of the products are really, really low, and we're being driven into this sort of mode of not repairing, buying, spend, 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 you know. Manufacturers are are making it so it's cheaper to replace. They're going to charge astronomical prices for parts, so if you want a part, it's six times more than buying a new television, so you don't bother having it repaired, you get a new television. I mean, we stopped training engineers... 10, 15 years ago, stopped doing apprenticeships. There was no apprenticeship. Try and find an electronic or TV engineer today. There ain't none. All my boys that work for me are all gone in the medical industry. They all, all work for the NHS. They're repairing like the art machines and all the other machines. There's no domestic TV engineers out there anymore. They're all gone. Tell it goes wrong, they just dump it, replace it. Just do an exchange on it. My name's Louisa. I'm here at the restart party because my lamp broke and I can see what's wrong with it but I don't know how to fix it so I'm hoping somebody can help me here. How do you think we could make buying high quality gadgets like possible for people to do? What I wish for but I can't see it happening is that things are just easier to take apart and reassemble and that there are more people who can actually fix things because it's so frustrating. Like my lamp... The reason it can't be fixed is that a particular part is fixed onto the other part in a way that it can't be opened up, and that is blocking 
the repair. So I would hope that you can take things apart more easily, but I think that I'm hoping in vain because it doesn't seem like that's the trend at all. It seems like items are more and more hermetically sealed and that it's harder and harder to open them up and fix them. So I think the app looks bleak (laughs) and I don't really have... Yeah, my suggestion would just be make it so that you can open them up but I don't see that happening well I mean interestingly I think there's a there's actually oh. a fair phone in the oh, being phone. oh right okay yeah right so you've got a fair phone yourself yes I do have a fair phone and at least you can open that up right you and see what's inside it, you can open it up and see what's inside that's true yes do you have any thoughts on, on leasing and, and the way that that works? Yeah, I think it's a very interesting discussion and a very interesting models that you can look at. I think one of the inspiration is also looking around what's already taking place. For example, another Dutch company, a huge producer of electronics, Philips, they started to lease light. Now, instead of selling light bulbs, they actually sell the service of having lights in your office. So they make sure that you replace uh, the lights once they need replacing. And so the company stays sort of in ownership of all the materials that go into making the light bulb and at the end of life repair and refurbishment of those. So then you can more think in service models than ownership model per se. But it's also again not something that we, you know, you can come up with all kinds of nice ideas but in the end it's also the consumer and the producer the infrastructure around it that need to join in and need to do it and feel for it. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting discussions of what kind of models you can think of. But swapping is already what you see happening on Facebook and on eBay that that's happening. So with Fairphones, and I think that can definitely take that to the next level going further. There's lots of different things you can do, and, and I mean, when people talk about the economy, they they often focus on one piece of it. So whether it's the recycling or whether it's you know a particular business model, but you, you've got to have all of those options available really to make sure you're recovering as much value as you can and as much material as you can. And those two things aren't always the same thing. So from our point of view. We, we still see a lot of people buying products and then storing them, you know, maybe not sure what to do with them at the end of, of their use, but they're still working products. So they'll chuck them in a drawer and leave them there. So, so the first thing is getting those assets back into the market somehow. And so we're very keen on these schemes that buy products back from customers or ask them to donate them maybe to a, a charitable cause, but then you know, they, they would get those, those products reused. That's one of the reasons earlier this year we worked with Argos to develop a nationwide buyback scheme. So, you know, there's an easy option for customers to, to get products out of the drawer and, and get some value back for it, get that product back into the economy and get it working again. Um, so, so asset reuse is a really important one, getting the product back, getting it working either in the UK or you find with these products, it's, it's a global commodity market. So, you know, they, they will be sold and they will be used overseas. And then moving on from there, if you've got asset reuse going, you, you then begin to think, well, if I'm buying a phone and maybe it's for a couple of years or a year, you know, whatever it is you want to do, then maybe there's a different way to buy that phone. So maybe then I look at, at leasing it instead of buying it. So I'm paying for, the, for access to the phone, but I'm not paying for the phone itself. At no point do I actually own that phone. And then ultimately, as I say, you can move on to more of a data use package where you're buying the services associated with the product, and the product is just a way of accessing that service. And if you think about it, that already exists in lots of different guises around us at the moment. So, you know, you might, you might be subscribing to a television and broadband package and you don't actually own the box that's delivering that, that broadband package to your home. Exactly the same thing's possible with, with mobile devices as well. It's all a question of education, and I mean, it probably starts with children at school. If we develop from a young age 
to savor things, use things, make use of things, instead of wasting things. Because once I'm gone, there ain't going to be many people out there left to fix things. I want to teach youngsters how to repair things, show them what to do, how to fix things, how to look for faults, how to find faults, how to solder. It's all these skills, these basic skills are going. Even in our small way, what we're trying to do is just educate people to reuse things. We're in that state of mind where we don't think about having things fixed. I mean, I hate throwing things away. I mean, my wife goes mad at me. I take the pieces, repair, sort out, keep it going. The whole idea of leasing versus owning, not only gadgets, but in general, like, software and movies and everything, I haven't got there yet, so I kind of still like to own something. I think it's a good idea, but if you're leasing it, it's because you want to get rid of it soon. It's because you don't want to keep it forever, and... Why shouldn't we make things last? Things that could last, why, why don't we keep them for longer? Why do we need to be changing phone every year? Why do we need to always have the newest thing, the newest thing? I think that's a cultural change that needs to be achieved before we can get onto this new era of producing things in a different way. I would be convinced if it was about sharing it, about only using it when, when you need it, such as like car sharing. I like the idea of car sharing because you can have the machine that you need when you need it you don't have to own it how do you feel about the idea of leasing gadgets rather than buying gadgets brilliant absolutely brilliant things like drills nobody needs to own a drill i've heard people say that every drill is used an average of 10 minutes in its whole life which is just insane so if you think about it your drill sits at home almost every day doing nothing almost every day you know, how often do you drill you know a couple of days a year and then it's just like vroom, vroom. that's just a few seconds so i think absolutely those things should be for rent or for lease you do not need to own a drill you do not need to own a ton of things and it makes me really cross that there's no better system for that kind of stuff things that i will use every day like a mobile phone or a fridge i'd prefer to own I'm not so sure about leasing because I feel like, I don't know, I just haven't thought about that financial model enough. But I'd really happily borrow or rent things much more readily. Like also a sewing machine. I don't need to own a sewing machine. Right, so you're thinking less like that you have a commitment to continually be releasing or like yeah. worrying about that, more like you just go into a, a library, a gadget library yeah. and pick the gadget you need. That, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Yesterday I was talking to a guy called Joe McLeod. He talks about the closure process for people and how actually companies don't encourage customers to reach a point of closure with a product or a service. And actually, the, from a psychological point of view, you know, that means there's a lack of fulfillment in the relationship. And he's doing a lot of, a lot of research into this area. And I think actually with, with, with products like mobile phones that you, ha you arguably use for a very short time, there's some really interesting stuff in there. Because if you reach a point of closure with a product and you trade it back to a trading place or you donate it to someone or you do pass it on to somebody else, you actually you go through that closure process and you kind of finish your relationship with that product. And that's fine because actually if you, if you learn to finish your relationship with a product, then you're less likely to hoard it and therefore you're going to get it back into the economy. It's going to get reused by somebody else or they'll recover the materials from it. I think that's a really important thing. So now it's time to get some closure on this podcast. 
The one thing that everybody seems to agree on is that there's no one right answer, that we've got to look for lots of different models and look for different ways that we can make things work better for everyone. Restart Radio is both a podcast and a weekly show that goes out at 1.30 on Tuesdays on Resonance 104.4 FM. Today's restart party is over, so it's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other. Goodbye, everybody.